Hey, welcome to episode 96 of the Collector's Quest podcast, and we've got a numbers episode. No, but it's fun. It's fun. So what we did here today is a sort of case study. So one way people think about collecting games is collecting them top down, buying the most expensive things first. Or as Johnny might say, that is the conventional wisdom on how to collect. So we looked at the actual data to see if that's correct. We went back to 2016. We pretended to buy a bunch of games from then, and then we saw how we did buying either rare games, uncommon games, or super common games. Which of them kind of went up the most if we had spent the same amount of money over those 18 months? And we actually saw some big differences in the data sets. And there's also some discussion on just the psychological aspects of collecting top-down versus bottom-up versus whatever. You know, just to break it up so it's not entirely numbers. Uh, So tell us if this is too numbersy for you, or tell us if you like it, and... uh, Here we go, let's go. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler, here with Johnny. Hey, Tyler, how's it going, man? I'm doing all right, Johnny. Johnny, I always go into like something that I talk about now, so I'm just going to gonna throw it back at you. How are you doing, Johnny? You know, I'm super, super actually really annoyed. Yeah, I'm annoyed. It's been, um, it's been a day, you know? It's been a day. eBay, I got two items today. Nothing of like wild significance, but they were both wrong. The sellers sent me on the same day the wrong items. So that's annoying. And then when I asked them about it, both of them independently said, oh, yeah, just ship those back to me, even though it says it's been delivered. Don't worry about doing any of the eBay stuff. Just send me that item back. Also pay for your shipping. Yeah, that's not how eBay works. I don't know if they know, despite all their great positive feedback. That is not how eBay works. Yeah, well, um, they, they literally want me to pay for their mistake. Yeah, I'm willing to work with the seller. Like, I'll cross ship my, like, you wouldn't because you hate everybody, no, but I'll cross ship, like, with the two buyers who got the wrong items. If they pay us to do it, I'm fine with that. I generally. Yeah, well, that's what I sent back in my message. I said, no, that's not happening. I'm like, confirm that the other guy got my item and he's willing to ship it to me. And when you have confirmation of that, I will ship this item to him. Why would I ship this back to you so you can then ship it to him and waste everybody's time some more? Well, I mean, that's how eBay is supposed to work. You're I, supposed I to just, yeah, well, I know. I know. I'm not going to do that, though. Like, I, like <laughs> I'm going to help someone else out. I'm not going to be a, a dick face about it. But that's really annoying. And then, you know, I got this other guy. I bought a box. And he's just like, oh, yeah, it's lost. I'm like, is it lost? Because I got it for like $7. And it was, last time it closed, it was like a $100 item. And now you just didn't want to sell it for $6? Because that's what this feels like. Oh yeah, man, must have been lost. I don't know what happened. Yeah, that only that only happened with one of my CDIs. So, uh well, it, it like it has the tracking thing. It's like on its way to the post office. It's like, "Oh yeah, we dropped it off at the post office." I'm like, mm, "It was never scanned in at the post office." Yeah, well, we oh, dropped wait, it off. Oh, wait, he didn't there. say he lost the item. He's claiming the post office lost it. Yeah. Oh, that is that's pretty I'm funny. like, uh, okay. So now I'm watching this guy like a hawk watching his auctions to see if he relists it. And if he does, I'm I'm going to have everybody I know buy an item from him and just I you know, like dollar items cuz he's got a bunch of those and I'll pay those dollars up to 50 
times and just give them negative feedback for everything. That <laughs> that sounds against eBay's terms of service, but I'm not a lawyer. Uh, well, I don't really. Uh, yeah. Vengeance. And then he'll make a new uh, eBay account and uh, he will be fine, Johnny. Yeah. Do you know it's really easy to make another eBay account? I don't know. I made my eBay account like 1999 once and that's it. So no, I don't well, know. I made, well, I've made a few because back in the day I used to sell illegal goods by that. I mean, Batman costumes. So I would get shut down for that because, you know, I was infringing on copyrights and they totally were doing the right thing by shutting that's, me down. Hearing but, that is crazy with the way eBay is now. I know. Yeah. I mean, they were actually really vigilant back in the day about it, but, um, no, I was like, okay, and they, they were having one of their sales, and I was like, oh, man, I, how hard is it for me just to make another account for my wife right now? Made it in, like, one second. They didn't verify anything. There was no connecting. Before, they were like, okay, it was, like, four-step authentication to make sure you were who you said. Like, send some money into your bank account, have to come back and verify that. Now it's like, no, no, you're good. You put in a username and give us a password, so cool. Check your email. Confirm. Good. All right. Enjoy eBay. What if things come to, Johnny? Just I, anyone could be on the other side of that eBay username and feedback. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and before we even get into the topic of the episode, I'll complain about one more thing. So I had a guy ship me a TurboGrafx game, and he put it in a priority envelope. You know, not even not even a padded envelope, but he took a priority box. No, no, don't don't get too excited. He didn't seal that box up right. He cut it up and put a cardboard wrapper around it. And then when the box inevitably came crushed, and I sent him pictures of it, he was like, I don't know, seems suspicious. Everybody really likes my shipping. I was like, no, man, that's not really how this works. You know, you should ship these items in a box. That's actually what my first message said to him. I'm like, hey, I want you to know I'm, I'm kind of unhappy here. The box arrived damaged. I paid for a mint condition box. I paid a little extra for that. You charged $8 for shipping, and then you shipped it in a priority envelope. You know, typically these items are sent in boxes. And he's like, no, I always ship like this. Everybody loves the way I ship. And then he did this thing, which I, like, I was so annoyed, but I laughed my ass off when I saw that he clipped some feedback, took a screenshot and sent it to me. And people were like, yeah, great job packing. As if that's not just canned that people write. There's no, there's no real talk in, in eBay feedback anymore. There's no, like, real personal messages. It was hilarious. It was like, oh, well-packed. Great shipping. Thank you. Like, A-plus shipper. Uh, A-plus eBay. Of course. That's what everybody's feedback looks like, dummy. The, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I'm one of those people. I don't, leave, I don't leave negative feedback for people. Literally, the only people I've left negative feedback for in, in the past year is all those people who sold me CDIs and then didn't ship them, basically. But I usually try to work things out with the seller, and then I'm just like... I, so oh, what man. I do is, if I'm not happy, I say great thanks is all my feedback. And if I'm not happy because they like ship something in a bubble mail or something stupid, I just put thanks without the great. So uh, what, that's how you dumb? know I'm sticking it to you. I Tyler, that is the most, that is the weakest. I am most not helping passive anybody. aggressive. No, like this is the <laughs> thing. Like people are like, oh man, it sucks to leave people negative feedback. That's their livelihood and stuff. If it's your livelihood, get better at it. Do a better job. Look, mistakes happen. You can make a lot of mistakes on eBay. If you sell thousands of things, you're going to have negative feedback in there. Probably. It's not a big deal. It's all about your ratio. So don't don't freak out about that. Just try to do a better job. But if you, you don't leave negative feedback, then no one else knows. No one else I, knows. I like, know. That's, 
I don't it, know. Did I? One guy was like, I can't. Like, I had to wait three months to get a game, and he's like, I can't believe you gave me negative feedback. And this was all on him. I'm like, this was a negative experience. What? What did you expect me to say? Did you expect me to be like? bestseller ever thanks no it was negative it wasn't a neutral experience it was a negative experience it was annoying i waited too long like everything went poorly you get a negative this like you want me like you shipped my item there's no guarantee you tried to get me to do something that would be not in my best interest and now you want like positive feedback you sent me a you overcharged me for shipping and now you want positive feedback, and I got a crushed game, and then had the the nerve to be shitty, and then say it was suspicious, like maybe I had done something wrong. That was the other thing. It's like seems suspicious. What? Like what? I I went and damaged the box for for whose end? Like to what goal? I wanted this box. I already had the stupid game. I just needed the box. Ironically, the game is called Boxy Boy. Yeah, I so. don't know. I I unless it was like a high value game that I told them to ship in a box and then they did something like ship in a bummer or like something totally stupid like that. That doesn't happen to me all the time. But like if I, I usually, I, every time I buy a cardboard box game, I put a little uh, note in there. Hey, ship this in a sturdy box, please. Thank you. So it doesn't get crushed in the mail. I'm very specific about that. Me and, too. Every but time. If I get like, if I get like Joe Montana football on Genesis and I paid $3 for it and they shipped it in a bubble mailer, I'm like, well, I could just leave negative feedback, but the right thing to do would be try to resolve it with the seller. And then I'm like, it's just, it's not worth my time to no, I agree. try I to resolve this and ship it back and do all that bullshit. So I just say, I say thanks instead of great thanks. But this, I mean, just don't leave any feedback because that you're, you're helping as ratio. Don't leave any feedback. Yeah. Then I, then I got that stupid feedback thing nagging at me for like, then put a neutral, put a neutral. No, neutral is just negative too. Come on. Everyone knows that. Yeah, well, did you remember when neutral actually used to... I got into a fight with eBay about this because I got left a neutral feedback. and it, so, But it was... They would count your positive, and then whatever wasn't positive was counted as a negative. Is that like, not how it works no, anymore? No, they, they changed it so neutral didn't was basically a zero. So it oh. didn't count as a minus one. So 100% positive literally doesn't mean 100% positive. Well, uh, I, I don't know if that's true anymore. Like, I, I, haven't, I haven't had to suffer through that because all of my feedback has been positive. And I don't sell very often. It's pretty uncommon. But yeah, that was like, no, that's not, this does not work. They're like, oh, yeah, you have you know, your feedbacks. I'm like, no, I don't. What, what are you talking about? Because uh, I got like one guy also, he, we, we got into a fight about some stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I resolved it. He wasn't happy. So I was fine with the neutrals, like, but he left me like 10 neutrals. And that was back in the day when eBay counted. It was when they first introduced neutral. So all of those counted against me instead of having it from one seller. I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, it was, it was real dumb. And like, when I started doing the math, she's like, oh yeah, well, your positive feedback ratio is this. I'm like, okay, what's my negative feedback ratio? Okay. So this is a percent of total of absolute positive. She's like, uh, I started doing math. And, the, stupid you know, cu- the customer service rep you're talking to is not going to be able to change the world, Johnny. I think you're, you're expecting a lot from her. You know, that's not my fault. They're, they're, they're customer service. That's what they're there for. It's not like I... They're there like to I'm explain how it works and be like, I'm sorry you I, I got know. a neutral feedback, Johnny. Well, you must be a real big seller. You sold a lot oh my of God. video games this I, week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch you in the face. <laughs> no, that is not... No, like it's fine. That that's what I. It's not like I sat there and berated her like she was a dummy. What I told her was like this count doesn't make sense, and she was like, "No, this is how it works." I'm like, "No, what you're explaining is not how math works." Anyways, it was a long time ago. That was like 15 years ago. 
when Neutrals first came out. It was real dumb. And you know what? I was right because they changed that shit and they fixed it. I don't remember exactly yeah, how the scenario paired. Like a billion people use their platform and they probably figured out it's better. They get more sales when more people look like they have more positive feedback. No, they changed it actually like within the first two months of Neutrals being out. So right. you are it was all incorrect. you, Johnny. I'm sorry. You're I'm not saying it was all me, I'm, but I'm saying... Tyler, when when you mark your concerns and you have a valid concern and you explain it and it's logged and that gets pushed up, it becomes a data point. And then if enough of those data points rise to the top, Tyler, then action can be taken. You know, I, so, I had the same experience. Do you Have you left feedback on eBay like maybe one month ago? And every time no. you leave a feedback, it would slowly JavaScript scroll through every other feedback you let you went through? No, I didn't experience that. Oh my! So leaving feedback—they basically made feedback take like exponentially longer the more feedback you were leaving. So every time uh, I left feedback, I put a little thing. I clicked the little "leave feedback for us" thing, and I just t- typed like "what the fuck" into their little bar. <laughs> I the first time I did it, I typed an explanation of exactly what's wrong. Every other time, I'm just like, "what the fuck is this?" And then yeah. it changed, like in the past and, week. I'm real excited. Uh, oh yeah, because you know if you don't alert people to a problem how are they supposed to know it exists tyler well we had that skype problem when we started recording i'm not going to alert them to that because i don't care enough and skype is my competitor at work so whatever the worse right, their well, app is the better for me okay wasn't well, your app not great right now we're not going to talk about the cisco <laughs> ix5000 it's great if you have an extra hundred fifty thousand dollars around you should buy one yeah i'm just kidding i'm kidding i'm not gonna lure you into to dangerous know, water all right so now that we're like 13 minutes into this podcast, can we please tell the people what we want to talk about today? Johnny, should you collect top down? Should you collect the most expensive games of a set first? Well, Tyler, I think conventional wisdom tells me, dude, you always buy the top first because that shit is always going through the roof. Top first, everything else later, right? That's what we've always heard. Okay, hold on, Johnny. Said. So I don't, I don't really know if that's been the conventional wisdom. But I, I oh, don't know. That's, You're, that's everything I've heard. Always. So I remember what was the first time we didn't have we did like a, a holiday price bike episode where I kind of went along with you whenever you said anything and I didn't disagree with you enough. So I'm calling you out. I'm I'm more I'm more comfortable now. I'm ready to call you out. I don't know if if top down collecting is the conventional wisdom. I think it is a one of the prevailing strategies that people might think about. You don't think that's I think the, conventional the wisdom implies that like almost everybody thinks about it that way. And if that were the case, everyone would be going and buying stadium events and that's not happening. Well, I mean to a point, right? But there there are other factors in there like price barriers, right? Stadium event is a $25,000 game, right? Total inbox and like, you know, about $10,000 just for the cart. So that that's a real barrier, especially when the rest of the top lies much much lower than that. Sure. I mean, so just to but clarify the data set ask, we're looking at hold here. Hold on. Okay. Did you look at stadium events when we did this exercise? Did you look at if you had bought stadium events, if you would just put all of your money at that, if that would have been a better purchase? I did not because I know it, like data, even just sales data for that really top end stuff, Nintendo World Championships, Air Raid, all that, it's not sold on eBay. And right. the it price is so crazy because once someone has it, you're taking someone willing to spend $15,000 in a video game out of the market for that video game. So it, 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 that stuff is too crazy. You have to do stuff that sells like at least once a year or so. You mean you have to use data that provides consistent data points in which you can draw a reasonable conclusion? Yes, Johnny, that's exactly it. 
Oh, okay, cool. Well, we're, I'm on board for that kind of research. So uh, what did we arrive at then? Because I said, collect from the top down. Actually, I don't necessarily believe that. I was having a talk with someone and they threw that out at me. And I said, yeah, that's something that we always say. And, you know, people always hear like big collectors. But then I was like, is that always true? Are there instances where that isn't true? So this episode is going to be a brief look in into that. Is that true? Is that that gem that people throw out always collect from the top down true? I mean, I'm, I'm I just gotta toot my own horn here. I'm always one who says you need to find what's uncommon and not super expensive and go for that. Uh, I've said that on the show multiple times. Those are the games that you need to worry about. Get the ooze well, on mean, Sega we- Genesis, guys. It's gonna be price spike sixty dollars by the end of the year. Well, I mean, we talk about that. We we talk about identifying things that, you know, the middle is the nebulous zone, and that's where to attack. We we have always kind of said that. But they, they say when you're collecting a set, and if you're going to buy everything, you buy the top stuff, because that middle stuff is just going to sit there, and the bottom stuff is always going to be the dreg, so don't worry about that. So let's go into the study. What was the convention that we used, and what did we look at, Tyler? All right, so if we're going into the data first, then... We basically created three sets of NES games, and we did it for Sega CD as well. So we looked at buying the high-end NES games at the beginning of 2016, a bunch of mid-range uncommon NES games, and then a bunch of super common NES games. And so the way we did it is we added up Little Samson, Flintstones 2, and Bonk, and that gave us $1,781. And so we took 10 uncommon games added that up they were equal to $300 and we multiplied that so theoretically you could buy about six sets of those uncommon games are you still with me johnny yeah so basically you created from that set of 10 uh, a quantity variable to create that 1781 so if you bought six of each of these it would equal that 1781 so it like if you were investing where would the better investment actually be yes so okay in January 2016, we bought just the top three high-end games. We bought this chunk of mid-range games for 1700 and then we bought a shitload of common games for 1700 But you should, you should tell them what those games are, because uh, like one of the other things we talk about is that nostalgia drives demand. And these common games, like you wouldn't expect it, but it's Super Mario, Super Mario 2, Super Mario 3, Zelda, Zelda 2, Contra, Mega Man 2, Metroid, Final Fantasy, Castlevania. You know, these are basically items that populate the NES Mini, okay? That's how popular these things are. The other thing we should say is, uh, out of those 10 games, out of the commons, uh, our multiplier was 8.5. So you could roughly get 8.5 of these each to get that $1,781 average that we created. Okay, so today those top three games that you paid 781 dollars for are worth 2360 dollars so these are cart only cart only just oh these are the cart only prices yes yeah so on your high-end loose games you would have quote-unquote made I'm, i'm calling it profit but i mean really it's how much you saved by buying these you know a year and a half ago but the high end games you made 579 dollars and you don't actually save when you spend money that's just a theoretical Save savings spend versus money. spending. Oh yeah. man, eBay coupons. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For the mid-range games, you made $1304.77. So the that's more than twice that, as much as the high-end games. Yeah, it's like man, that is a much bigger jump. So uh, if we were talking investment, and it's not that we say 
video games should be an investment. But if you took games that were similar in this price range and spread it out that many times, you know, so 60 games that you could have bought with that money versus just this group of 10 six times, you would have made roughly, you know, the profits would have been much better. Yep. And then on the common games, almost everything on NES went down uh, from 2016 to now on the low end, because 2016 NES was kind of at its peak of cultural zeitgeist. I don't know. Everyone was into common NES games, but you would have lost $488. So your stuff would have been worth $1,292 at the end. So you made money in the middle the most, made money at the top, but lost money at the bottom. Okay. And and how did that do with... Go ahead. You're going to say complete... (laughs) Yeah, how'd we do with Complete and Box Games? So Complete was a somewhat different story because the high-end games, two of them went down Complete and Box. Little Samson lost over $400 and Bonk lost about 50 bucks. So the total value for Complete, it was 5546 that we started with. And that went down to 5490 So it was about even, but we lost $56. So that didn't go up at all. When the carts went up over $500. No, so, I mean, that's pretty stagnant, right? Like, it, it's, a, it's a negative value, but really, you're pretty much in the same place. Yep. And then, uh, so on that initial $5,500 about for the mid-range complete in box games, that went up $4,643. So you went from 5546 to 10189 That's crazy. That's a huge jump. That That is a huge jump. So that is that... That is bigger than the card only jumps. So that's about, it's just under twice the value there, right? All yep. right. So the big drivers of that. So we had uh, Adam's Family, Pugly Scavenger Hunt, and Best of the Best Championship Karate. And both of those just about tripled in price. And that's the kind of thing that these mid-range games tend to do that you're not usually going to see on the super common stuff or the super rare stuff that kind of trades hands a lot. Okay, so I want to I want to talk a little bit about that, but let's just talk about what happened at the bottom first. Okay, and then so for the the set of common games, the ten common games added up. That was equal to, oh well, that was equal to fifty five hundred forty six because everything was. And uh, at yeah. the end of the eighteen months, it ended at forty nine hundred eighty eight. So we lost a little more than five hundred dollars there. Right. So that's that's like a ten percent dip. Yeah. So that's a uh, yeah. That's not great. Losing you know losing ten uh, percent is not yeah. It's almost like dead on Ted. We don't feel good about losing ten percent. So this is if you were investing only in these games. Now, mind you, you say Johnny, what what could have caused this? And also, well, you've picked a very specific set of games, and I've I've said you can't just choose these to look at the the whole thing. We are just but this was a random sampling. Of course, the top has to be the top, so that's not random. But the the commons and everything else, these are random samplings. This wasn't random the, at all. The, John. the commons I picked like the top ten NES games I could think of that people that like, think of, and then the middle was random, basically alphabetically from A to D. Anything that wasn't super weird in there. My 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 point is, you did like. Well, I guess the commons you cherry picked, but in the middle you didn't like say, okay, I'm gonna look for games that spiked. Right. That's yeah, what, exactly. My point. You didn't. You randomly, didn't because like, like A and D both have Adam's Family and Best of the Best. Just both of those happened to go crazy over the past eighteen months. Right. My point on the random is there was no like the the price sways were were random occurrence. You didn't say, okay, I want to make sure I pick one that went up $50 and one that dropped. None of that happened. There was no cherry picking like that. He, he picked them. That was his methodology. But 
uh, it wasn't picked based on the pricing. The pricing thing was uh, just what occurred outside of what our knowledge was that occurred. So bottom, not great anywhere. Top, bleh, like, or like fairly safe. I would call the top safe, but not exciting. And then the middle is where, where it's going on. But why, why the middle, Tyler? Why do you think the middle uh, rises up? Versus, do you think that this has anything to do with that people don't know the middle? Or do you think people did go out and do this thing where they collect at the top end and now they're filling in the middle gap so there's more competition in the middle? Or does the price range of those games actually breed more competition? Do you think these are factors? I, I think that th- this is why we looked at two consoles. It's because NES specifically, it's kind of plateaued over the past 18 months. It, it's been very up and down. And so... I think fewer people have been starting to collect NES than have been continuing to collect NES now. So, you know, from like 2012 to 2016, people just keep coming and coming into the hobby. Everyone needs the Mario games. You know, we're pushing up the price of like the little Samsons and stuff. Now we're kind of coasting with these same collectors. And as people are knocking out those high end stuff and as people, everyone already has, you know, their Marios and Zeldas, everyone still kind of needs that weird stuff in the middle. And that kind of goes on for every console, I think. I don't yeah, know. I think that's it's, normal. It's not that people don't cycle. know about it. It's like they're just like, ah, oh, you know, that's forty bucks. Ah, oh, there's some games I have that that's that's fifteen dollars still. I'm just gonna go for those right now. I'll, I'll get around to that later. And now everyone is coming around to it later. I think is what's happening. Okay. Yeah. I th- I think that's fair. I think when people think about the middle, there is that feeling you can push that off because it's not at the top yet. But that's also where you have. Like I hear people have their regret purchases. Oh man, I remember when this was fifty dollars. Now it's one twenty. I should have bought it then. That's always the middle. I mean, sometimes that's the top. Like if you go back to like two thousand eight and nine and stuff, it's always the top games. Oh man, Little Samsung was one hundred and eighty dollars, and I thought it was too too expensive. And now look at it. Like you hear that kind of stuff. But like most common between this two thousand six to now period, I have heard people talk about these games that kind of fall in the middle. And I want to talk through a thing I did, which uh, I'm going to try and explain this the best I can. And let me know. Tyler said he didn't follow it real well. And I'm I'm sketchy if this. Should we works. go over the Sega CD first? No, no. I want to talk about this because this is NES, and then we'll we'll talk about what happened to Sega CD. So what I did was I pulled up all the prices of all the NES games as they are currently, and uh, so I did some future like the idea that all NES games will rise 10 percent. So I looked at five games. I looked at Little Samson's, Flintstones, Bonk, Panic Restaurant, Power Blade 2, uh, excluding stadium events because that's too crazy. I looked at those, and the price of those for carts only were $3,200. So then I went and I said, okay, um, I'm going to go spend $3,200 on games that have uh, the average price of a Nintendo game. So I looked at all the games, and the average price was roughly $25 for a cart-only Nintendo game. That's like the average price when you factor all this stuff in. So I said, okay, if it's $25, I'm going to buy $3,200 worth of $25 games in the middle around that range, all around that that uh, $25 range. So um, spiking, and I can tell you exactly, from as high as 38, and just one of so we had a better sample size, down to 16. So, you know, in a sway of those, if you were looking at a box and whisker, this would be the box inside of the whiskers you know this would be the cluster on average if anyone knows about box and whisker charts if you don't don't worry about it because they probably don't affect your life anyways what i found is 
while the top did go up, right, because I projected it at 10%, it, you know, it would have moved up a little bit. Uh, the bottom, or this middle chunk that I looked at, the average gain was around, like, the price of those would have been a 20% gain. So if you if you bought like that from the middle. It's like, so it's I, like a stock split. If the, if the stock goes up and you have twice as many shares, you get more money, right? right. Is that how it works? Okay. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, it's hard to imagine, like, just seeing it as this, because I've put my money in different places and let it just happen, because those those percentages jump, versus putting all... It's like, did I buy five five stocks of Coke versus, you know, sp- spreading it out over several? Anyways, I know that looks like, oh, well, $3,200, 10% raise should just be 10%, but that's not actually how that went when you when you have a spread because this is across a spread it's not just at 10 percent more of 3200 anyways uh that's just more verification of the middle is the place that rises uh, I mean, is so the place that's where not, the that's gains. even like just theoretical like so we have the yeah, real yeah. world data that shows us like these middle games in this kind of period where the nes is plateaued are the ones that jumped up and then your theoretical one where let's just say everything went up 10%. If you have more low value games, you're getting a better deal for your money. If you Well, average va- average value. The low did not trend par- uh, profitably. So same with you. So this is, I mean, I know we're just focusing on two consoles. We can get into this more later on other consoles because I think this is an interesting exercise. And we are going to do more episodes where we, we just did the So You Want to Collect 4 series and we did Genesis. And I think that would be interesting if... We won't go as in-depth, but we take a quick look at that for all the systems so we can tell you, is it true? I mean, I think it's going to hold, like, our wisdom is to attack the unknown because that has the greatest sway. We'll see if that holds true. So uh, what happened in Sega CD? Tell, walk us through the high end and your uncommons and, and your trash ones. All right. So Sega CD has been on a tear compared to NES. So Sega CD is up almost 50% from January 2016. So prices have been going crazy on everything. So our high end, so we're only looking at complete in box because there, there's no data for loose Sega CD games for everything. Yeah, don't don't buy those. Yeah. So we bought Ko Snatcher and the Space Adventure. So in January 2016, those cost twelve hundred and twelve dollars, and so that okay. was our our investment money that we had to put into stuff. So I also I bought a chunk of uncommons. I bought. Flink, Shadow of the Beast 2, Heart of the Alien, Android Assault, Nova Storm, Soul Star, Crime Patrol, AX101, Championship Soccer 94, and Hangtime 95. Does that sound like a good chunk of uncommon games? It does. Great. All right. So we got to buy each of those about twice to get to our $1,200 level. And then the commons, I did Double Switch, Sega CD, Tom Cat Alley, Prize Fighter, Jeopardy, Jurassic Park, World Cup Soccer 94, Dracula, The Animals, and Dragon Slayer. Okay. And you had to buy nine of those each to reach this $1,200 plateau? Yes. Okay. All right. And so today our high-end stuff is worth $1,600. So that went up about $412. Our mid- Which is a nice jump. Sure. It's a 30, 30% jump, right? 33? I, you know, I, I'm in an Excel sheet. I didn't do the percentages. I'm sorry. Okay. All right. It sounds right, though. Our mid-range stuff is worth $1,679, so that went up $467, so a little bit higher, but, you know, about the same considering how much kind of extrapolation we're doing here. Yeah. And then our low-end stuff went up to $1,475, up about $263. So 
are high-end and mid-range, you know, statistically probably identical. We still see the mid-range stuff when everything is tearing up in price. The mid-range stuff still went up more than the high-end or the low-end. And the low-end was still the worst place to be, just in terms of where your money should be if you're looking at this from a financial point. But good news, if you were collecting Sega CD, you were doing all right in general. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I want to talk about now, like, so that that's the that's what we got. The middle is still good. High on this one was still great. So we haven't bucked that as a completely, like, don't do that. But let, let's talk about some of the problems, like, if you just bought an F-ton of middle games. If you bought nine of these, what's the problem with that? Like, what are, what are let's talk about our points against investment collecting and why why this doesn't exactly work out. Are you talking about from a financial point of view or what? Financially, psychology, all the things that you wanted to talk about. I mean, so I think in terms of collecting top down, just when people get into game game collecting, sometimes you get these people who, you know, join up on a forum. They're like, hey, I feel like collecting all the Nintendo games. And then some people, there'll be people who go out there and they're like, like me, they'll be like, you should go for the uncommon ones that are undervalued. Here's how you do it. Go after these first. And it's like, yeah, if we're actually going to get to the complete set, that is going to be the financially best way to do it. But at some point, if if you're just starting collecting a console, you got to get the Marios, the Contras, and the Zeldas. You know, you you can't just go into NES and be like, I think that everything's going to go up in value. I'm going to knock out Little Samson and Flintstones too. That's just not what you're getting into collecting it for. Unless you already have a thousand games. If you're Johnny and you have 10,000 games and you're just like, it's time for me to get every Game Gear game, he probably already has that. But then he's going to look at it from a pure financial point. He's not playing any of these. He's not getting any more enjoyment out of the Game Gear games than he already is getting from his 10,000 games in his game room. So then he can look at it from a pure financial point. But if you're like this guy and you've got 200 games, you know, stock up on Mario and Zelda games. Don't just go after the set because you don't even know if you're going to complete that set. Okay, so what you're saying is that even though we just proved out that buying Mario's and Final Fantasies and Zelda's on the NES was not a good investment in 2016, mentally you will enjoy having those more than, say, your pro sports hockeys and your, your Flintstones 2s and your Little Samsons. You're more likely to play those ones. Therefore, beyond just dollars, there is a certain equity in those games that is higher than, say, uh, Best of the Best Championship Karate or a Golf's Grand Slam in Championship Pool. Yeah, like AD&D Hillsfar was one of the best the best games in the last 18 months that we looked at. And you could have bought every single Mario, like all three, the Mario Trilogy, complete in box for the same exact price. Who, No one on planet Earth, not yourself, not anyone looking at your connect collection, is going to think Hillsfar is cooler than having the Mario trilogy. Okay, yeah, but that's, I mean, now, now we're talking about the psychology, not, not the money. So you have to, when you are collecting, and we, we understand that our audience is split, right? Some of you are just raw collectors, and that's it. We're just talking about collector's money, collector's money. But some of you are also gamers, like myself. Even though I say, yeah, I tend to be more of a collector, I, I still play a bunch of video games. I still play more video games than your average person, even though I say, nah, I'm more of a collector. There, You have to separate those two. So if you are more on the game side, you know, more for the playing, 
then yeah, definitely don't just always look at the raw numbers because Tyler's right. The psychology of it is that you will not enjoy those as much. Also, if you are inviting people and enjoy showing your collection, most people aren't going to be on your level, right? Hardly anyone is on your level if you're listening to this podcast as far as what kind of collector you are and what your knowledge is. So you're going to bring in your friend. They're, they're not going to be like Tyler said, oh, Hillsfar. They're going to be like, oh, man, Mario 3. I love Mario. Mario's the best. I love Zelda. No one's going to be like, yes, best of the best championship karate. Bro, you did it. This is the sickest game on the system. This I is mean, not e- happening. Even if I'm on your level and I, I go in and I see you've got like Daytona Netlink Edition displayed on your shelf and like seven Saturn games under it. I'm like, what do you do? You could have bought so many good Saturn games. Why do you even own that? And that's see, not me. I would have been like, oh man, you have the you have the insert too. Awesome. <laughs> I like, I'm like, so- who gives a shit about Mario? Everyone's got Mario. The one thing I have in favor of going top down, you know, whether it's purely or a little bit, is that it sucks completing a set, getting 95% of the way through the set, and then you look at your checklist, you're like, check, 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 and then it's just that chunk of seven checkboxes at the top, and all of those games are like $500 plus games. That sucks. And you could stop that if you just spread out buying that, or if you... You don't collect top down, but you knock out the heavy hitters and then you kind of go for everything else. Yeah, there's another advantage. And this is the clearest advantage to me because game collectors come and go. Your hobbies will come and go. And I've said this before, but it's okay to change your mind. It's okay to decide you don't want to do this anymore. Don't make your things your identity. Uh, You know, I like I know a lot of people say, oh, Johnny's game guy. But most of my friends, I mean, they know I do this, but this is not the entirety of me. This does not encapsulate me. I I step outside of this all the time and I go enjoy all of my other things. I have other hobbies. This is not the sole thing. So if you decide this isn't for you anymore and you want to sell it, if you did buy top down, it's a lot easier to move less games than more games. Like for me, I, I don't know. Like if I ever decide, okay, this is it. Unless someone comes and cleans me out, it would be an endeavor. It'd be a whole job. Yeah, shipping right? one package is just like, you can't do it, man. Yeah. Cowlitz Gamer's second adventure. Whew. That, Shut up, Tyler. How hard would it be to get that over to me? I, I know. Like, what about a stack of like six Xbox games? It's more than that. Equally as hard. I actually, I need to go back and see what I need to say. I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, I've got to go to a post office, so I guess it's a good time to... Jesus Christ, I hate all this eBay stuff. Anyways, so that's like, that is one thing to consider... I, I say spread it around a little bit. Like buy if you're buying for the nostalgia, you should definitely buy the things you like. Don't get talked into people saying, Oh, you gotta get the little Samson because that's the the hotness. Buy the things you like first. If you happen to like little Samson, or if you decide you you start looking at this and you absorb it kinda like I do, you're like, Oh man, it's cool. Like, why is this game rare? This is expensive. Oh, I want to attack that, and you get excited by that. Then buy it if that's gonna if that's gonna turn your wheels. That's cool, but buy the things that do it for you. I like I can't tell you how often I stop buying like while I'm set collecting because I just can't do it. I can't stomach it. Doesn't matter if it's rare. I'm just not enjoying that particular set. That's why I stopped with the Wii. I'll get back there. That's why I take breaks on. It. I've been collecting Xbox for like ten years. I'm still not done, which is crazy. I'll get there, but you know sometimes I'm just like, ugh, I can't look at another ESPN title. I'm just going to go do something else for a little while until that flame uh, ignites itself again. Make sure you are staying engaged with it and that you're enjoying it. And if not, it's okay to change your mind and dump it all. And be an opportunistic buyer. It's your favorite thing to say. 
It is my favorite thing to say, and it is true. It served me well, and that's why, in general, if I look back at what I paid for things and what I what they're worth now, and like when I bought lots as opposed to when I passed on stuff, I have very few regrets. And if it all comes crumbling down, and that bubble, which has not burst yet, does come, I also didn't spend money that I didn't have to spend on games. So if this all went away and it was worth nothing, it does not change my life. It's just, you know stuff in my house there oh man there are like people on game tz who uh, they're like degenerates they're they're like they ask for loans they're like i need i need 500 bucks to get me through the next month also does anyone have gta 5 it's like i just Mm. stop doing this guys if you can't if you can't afford games you can't afford games we live in an age of endless free entertainment it can wait just like texting and driving yes Uh, another thing we don't advocate you know tyler's like just text me while you're driving. He said that to me earlier. It was weird. Oh, what's up with your commute? How long does it take you to get home, Johnny? Jesus Christ. An hour. An hour? Yeah. Uh, California. You want to... Yeah, I drive. I drive from my job. I like where I live. All right. And I don't want to live in the place where I work. Even though it's a nice beach town, I just don't like living by the beach. Because that's why I live in California. Anyways, Tyler, let's let's move on to the second part of the show. Any final thoughts before we do that, though, on buying top-down or buying the middle that you want to express? Don't listen to blogs that tell you what the underpriced games are. I don't know. This just popped into my head. Freaking hidden gemlets. Just everything that people say is wrong about video games. So when you, if you are going to go and you're going to hunt these middle games for your own financial well-being... You really have to do your own research. I've said this on the show before once, but I used to take rarity numbers. It doesn't matter where I got the rarity numbers from. It could be the Mike Etler list, but rarity numbers and prices, I would chop off like the top and the bottom and I would just look for anything that was like a a clear outlier, you know, like a rarity six game that was $7 or something. And I would just go for all those. And then you go on like YouTube and you look for like, Oh, the rarest Xbox games. And you find people saying like Futurama and all this crap are the rarest Xbox games. And I don't know. They're not. Do your correct. own research. Yeah. That's what I'm trying yeah. to say. I want you to know, Tyler, I do that same thing, especially early in my collecting. I would find the rarity guides over at, um, what is it? Digipress. I would look yeah. at that thing like it was a Bible. And I would look at that rarity and then be like, all right, let's line up prices. Okay. Okay, if this is actually rare, why isn't it priced as such? And I would make sure to pick that up before anyone identified that as well. So that is a smart When do you even think thought. the DigitPress guide was last updated? 2003? It's probably still perfectly fine if you're just getting a general idea of what you should be going for. Right. I mean, like, we don't have numbers really on anything. I mean, very few places have real real numbers. We have to take our experience coupled with uh, the data we've collected over the years and and kind of make what our approximations uh, and i think we're very close to right but you know that it's all field data for the most part so and that was field data back then too so well mate, if you're watching these youtube people, so you can watch it you have to just have a critical eye so the important thing is make sure whoever you're whoever's talking is giving you their own anecdotal evidence and they're not just regurgitating the garbage that is swarming around the internet Yes, that that is true. Oh, I hate uh, that. So I will much. tell you there there is a YouTube channel, and we'll just call him out. I, I forget his name, but it is like R tens or something. Is like the rarest, blah 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 for yeah. this system. Oh, God. That guy is the fucking worstest 
most incorrect. I mean, it's crazy. He undermines the things he's talking about, like the rarity while in the video. It, it's baffling. And it deleted the rarest. You're like, oh, God, you're feeding this loop of people and you're driving them down the wrong path. It's very aggravating how, how wrong this it, He probably got like 25,000 views in all of his videos oh, at least, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think he's fairly popular. I don't know if he still does it. But I, I saw these videos a few years ago and I was just like, what the f- Why? Why is this? I'm like, it's so untrue. There's so much to learn about, especially about modern systems when you're like, the rarest DS games. Like, you don't know. You don't know what those are. Hardly anyone knows what those are. We've identified a few. Some big collectors have. I've talked to people, but... No one's no one's absolutely sure on that stuff. So you come off with your half baked stuff, and basically they just equate rarity and price and say that's it. And those aren't the same yeah. thing. So no, you want to talk about hidden gems? There, no. a hidden gem is a YouTube channel with a guy who kind of knows what he's talking about. And so the thing that that comes to my mind there's a there's a YouTube video, the rarest Xbox Platinum hits games. It's probably got 500 views on it. And the guy's talking about, like, Warrior Within, 50 Cent, Spongebob Lights Camera Pants. All this stuff that's basically impossible to find that no one knows about. And that's the kind of info that we need out there, not these top ten lists. Yeah, exactly. Based on price charting. Right. Someone who took the easiest to find information on the internet and just regurgitated it. Just repackaged it and put it out. We found both of my copies of Warrior Within from Canada... Uh, we searched through 1,500 listings of Warrior Within. None of them were platinum hits. He's like giving us real information. And it's like, oh, you got 500 views because you're giving us real information and nobody cares. See, the, those are the type of people, the people who are in the grind, the people, uh, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but like myself, who will go out and dig through the weeds and find like what's true and then try to bring it to people. Those are the people you should be finding. So, so anyways. That, that's my last my last comment yeah. is a, a sidebar about YouTube. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, but sometimes those videos that have like 200 views have 200 views for a reason. Oh, well, I mean, uh, we talked about hidden gems. I literally went to YouTube, just sorted by new. I'm like, let's see what hidden gem videos came out this week. That's when we learned that Jackal was a hidden gem. No one's heard of Jackal. Oh, cool. No one's heard of Jackal. Whew. Those Konami games, super uncommon. Anyways, uh, Tyler, what are you buying? What are you playing? So you had a terrible eBay experience, Johnny. What I did is the opposite of eBay. I went on eStarland and I just bought every Sega Genesis game under $10 that I didn't have just to clear out all that sports garbage. And that sounds like a terrible idea. And like 90% of it was like eight out of 10 condition or better. I, I couldn't believe my eyes when I opened the box. Like not a single crushed cardboard box. All the cardboard boxes, one had like a, a tear in the thing, but all of them basically perfect. Oh, I'm I'm really jealous of that because all of mine look like garbage. Yeah, I don't know what I mean. They're all garbage sports games, but uh, so I bought a big box E Starland stuff. What else? Have I, I got Fighting Masters on the Sega Genesis. I lost my childhood copy. I didn't know I or I I probably never had the twelve collectible cards that came with it. It says it on the box. It comes with twelve collectible cards. I played this game so much in my childhood. I am so excited to have Fighting Masters with these stupid collectible cards. I just I've stared at all of them. No one, no one's played Fighting Masters, but I don't know. That's another I, thing I'm really excited fi- to have buy. So, how much did you pay for Fighting Masters? Like 50? my high bid was a hundred dollars, and I paid forty. So that's I was even more excited about that. Oh man! So I shouldn't have been bidding you up. Shut up, Johnny! You weren't bidding against me. Maybe I was. You don't know. Were you, Johnny? 
No, you weren't. I you I told you about it when I got the game, and you were like, I didn't know those had cards. So, yeah, because I you know I don't read boxes. Is that a joke? Oh. I'm trying to think. What are you talking about? Yeah, I won't remember oh. with that. <laughs> Monster in my <laughs> yeah. pocket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just find, I find so much Genesis stuff. I don't know. Aerobiz, Supersonic. That's another kind of high end one. Trasia, Dune. Lots of stuff. Got a little more than a hundred to go. Nice. Uh, did you buy anything else cool, or was it just the Genesis stuff? All Genesis stuff. Good and bad. All Genesis. I bought, you know, TurboGrafx stuff. You guys have been seeing that. Mainly I'm buying, like, boxes. It's really sad, because I'm buying games I already have. So that feels bad. I mean, those boxes are so hard to find. You're not going to find that many boxes alone unless it's people splitting them up. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And I bought Ultima Runes of Virtue uh, box and manual on the Game Boy, except I got a Mario 2 box instead. So that was cool. That's... People love that game. Legend of the Six Coins or whatever. Come on. I don't. Why wouldn't you I want that I have game? it. I have it. I don't need that box. Yeah, I want two. the old. I want. I don't want Maybe to. I variant. want the fucking Ultima box. Anyways, I bought some Game Gear boxes. You said I have all of them. I don't. Um, close. I got uh, Crystal Warriors and G-Lock. So that was cool. I didn't have those. And I got boxes for Military Madness, Bloody Wolf, and Battle Royale. So that's what I bought. Oh, and Last Alert. I was really excited about the Last Alert purchase. You want to start talking about Game Gear boxes you don't have and start hyping them up? Because I hear there's some people looking for some Game Gear boxes and they just never turn up. Uh, let's not, shall <laughs> we? I don't need the competition. And you guys, don't buy Game Gear boxes. They are the worst. They're mm, like I might do some worst. opportunistic buying and just go for a set of Game Gear games because they're so cheap. I'm I will not, take this Callets too, and I will just smash it. I hate Game Gear. I have like a negative reaction when I see a Game Gear, so I'm not gonna buy Game don't Gear. Don't you dare, Tower! Don't worry about it. Everyone else go out buy Game Gear games. Stop that! Don't tell them that. You know, there's this obnoxious thing happening right now, where I'm I'm trying to buy a book, and it's not it's not it nothing to do with video games, but I don't understand what happened. So it's like volume three of a comic book, of like a library edition. And one and two are like $30, but I don't understand. Like, normally, like, trades and stuff aren't rare, and this is a library edition. But the third volume, I don't know if they just underprinted it. It's like, so there's two sets of these, and each is volume one through three. And the third one on each of them, like, I don't know if they drastically underprinted, but it's like $150 each. Yeah, I don't, I've been, I've been buying a lot of the DC archive editions, and I can't believe it's, I have the same thing going on. Like the prices between different volumes are just crazy. Who's buying these and they're not buying every single one is what I'm trying to ask. I know. Like, yeah. Like who bought one and two and then like, okay, so these are Buffy comics, right? So it's uh Buffy season eight, one, two, and three, and then season nine, one, two, and three. And the, the three is the uncommon. Like who got to season nine when was like, yeah, I mean, I went through one through like season eight and I hear him in season nine. I got through. Two. I'm just done now though. So don't print any more of those threes. What happened? What happened? Yeah, if you have weird. Buffy, Season 9, Volume 3, Library Edition, reach out to me. I just want to read it. I don't want to buy it on Comixology, but I probably will. I should just buy it. On, if it's on Comixology, is it on Comixology Unlimited? Just subscribe for like a month. You're fine. Yeah. No, that one isn't. Okay. Like, I'm, the, I'm screwed because nothing are. DC is, but maybe your stupid Buffy comics that no one wants to read are, because that seems some, like some real cheap IP. Some of them are, and uh, on Unlimited, some of them aren't. All right. Anyways. Comics. <sighs> Let's start a comic podcast, Johnny. Let's do it. DC just no. launched their, their little live, their little service with all the comics and TV shows. No, no one cares. Okay. 
No one cares. DC's not like stop stop dividing media. Please consolidate media. Don't stop dividing. Like what, you're talking just, about like all these little streaming services? I love it. Yeah. Uh like if they're gonna be like one channel, that's fine. It's the problem is like I can't watch all the basketball I want. Like I can watch stuff away from me, but I can't watch stuff here. If you guys are basketball fans, I'm eagerly awaiting everything that's happening in the NBA draft. By the time you guys are uh, not the draft, but uh, with free agency, by the time this goes up, it'll probably already all the dominoes will have been falling. But I'm watching like what LeBron is doing, what Paul George is doing. I'm, I'm like, is Kawhi going to get traded to the Lakers? I have no idea. I ha- like, are the Lakers going to gut their young talent? Who knows? So you want to start? Uh, let's do a podcast empire. Let's make one. Uh, I can get a sports show. We'll do a comic books one. We'll do some movie reviews. Does that sound good to you? I, yeah, I mean, no, no one cares about basketball, especially with our international audience. The World Cup is going on, Johnny. This is important. Argentina is going to win it. Argentina, right? Okay, I, That's what. Yeah, they, I'm excited I don't for Argentina. Know. I'm my family is excited for it because I have some Argentinian family members. Oh man. Well, they were the runners up four years ago, and Germany, the people who beat them, just got knocked out. Hey, I have a question for you, Tyra. What's real up? quick? Do you do you know as much about soccer as you do about wrestling? Do you want? Oh do yeah, let's do it. You want to talk about games? how Argentina and Germany went at it both in 1986 and 1990, and Germany bested them both times. But now oh, Germany's Germany out. Got Argentina bounced. has the path cleared to win the World Cup. I know nothing about soccer. I uh, I got put in a random pool for the World Cup, and Argentina was the only good team I got. So I've been. I, I watched a one game via live blog because you can't stream the games anywhere legally. And I was at work. And so I am the most casual Argentina soccer fan in the world. All right. So that means coming up on collector's quest, we've got a soccer episode being brought to you by tower. He's doing all the research. Oh, okay. We did bring up world cup soccer 94 on the Sega CD today, a game that went up in value slightly, man. We could do a whole episode on soccer games and why they're so damn expensive. Because no one likes soccer. <laughs> so, no, that's not true. Uh, soccer games. Prices that'll really kick you in the nuts. Coming soon on Collector's Quest. We could make also, it a double header with anything else so we could use the header yeah, pun. Okay. Um, well, we could do the flush with plush episode that we keep threatening. <laughs> no, it's going to come to fruition, No guys. one wants We're gonna, flush with plush. We're just going to keep No, that's not it. true. Like, I actually got tagged in a post to comment on the connectimals animal situation, which... I had research, sadly. So you already knew about those? I did. Right. And I actually have the FAO Schwartz bear here. And that's actually not just connectables. That's connectables now with bears. So it's different than the other yeah. connectables. Don't. If you're collecting games from 2006 on, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, not if you want to play them, that's fine. But if you're getting connectables now with bears and all its variants, what are you doing? Man, I want that FAO Schwartz bear. I want that bear. That's just one thing you want, though. You're not getting that because you're like, yeah, time to start collecting Xbox 360. I think even you will never get there, which that tells us what Xbox 360 is. Oh, I'm not collecting Xbox 360. I'm, I've got a clear path here to what I'm going to finish and what will be done. And then some things I will enjoy collecting slowly and on the side. And it's not anything to do with Xbox 360. That's kind of what I told myself when I finished like like NES and Sega CD. Those are the consoles I really love. And then I'm like, yeah, I'll just I'll just hang out now. I could do whatever I want. I think I even said that when I joined Collector's Quest. And now I'm just like, all right, time to get all the 16-bit games. Let's go Super Nintendo Genesis. Let's just get all of them. 
Oh man, when are you going to work your way into Turbo Graphics? Uh, you know, never. I uh, yeah, I had sixteen a, bit games. You know, I'm probably I don't really feel I'm not excited oh, enough to buy like Exertainment right now. I'm definitely not excited enough to buy Outback Joey right now. So these sixteen bit games are going to be stewing for a while. I you know I got a chance to buy Stadium Events. I I didn't tell this story. I'm in the inner circle. What's up? I got a chance to buy a Stadium Events cart that was not on the market. The owner of the barcade I go to, he came directly to me, and I felt so inner circle. And you know, it was nine thousand dollars. And I'm like, I did, I did my soul searching. I waited like forty five minutes. I'm looking at my bank account. I'm like, I I can't buy this game, but this is like my chance to buy this game. So no, I'm still hoping that uh, all the high end NES people, everyone just dies, and everyone stops caring about stadium events, and it goes, you know, half the price it is now. That's where, that's, at, that's my strategy. You didn't counter at seven. Oh, I would have bought it at seven immediately. <laughs> I don't think he would have gone down to seven. Why didn't you at least counter? What I don't like bargaining. Why are you so passive? I am super passive. I just told ah, you I, I leave feedback that just says thanks instead of great. I thanks. know, God, I, so I gotta <laughs> toughen you up. Well, you gotta, I you mean, gotta, there's you gotta I, state I, what you want. Like, that's, say that's a rude yeah. offer. I feel like I think no, there are, like, there are people on Nintendo Age who would buy a nine thousand dollars stadium events in one sure. second flat. So I'm Maybe, not gonna offer but, him like, oh, you know, two thousand dollars less than you could get if you just went to someone else. But that's like not, we're friends. Not we're not like that much friends. Well, you have a you have a relationship. I don't think it's being rude when you come out and just say, "Hey, look, I can't do nine thousand. I I would do seven thousand. I would break all of my vows and make my significant other question my life choices and her her attachment to me for seven. But I can't do it at nine. I understand if you don't want to, and I think you could do better. But if you want, I've got seven thousand dollars. So for you. he said that I, I, I'm not up on stadium events pricing, but he said that the average price was around ninety five hundred. So he could give it to me for just nine thousand. So he thought nine thousand was already a deal. I don't well, think nine thousand I mean, is a deal. I think it's a fair price, but I'm not going to you know go down to freaking seven thousand. Well, I'm. But you're just stating what you do. Like you're giving him a flat no, and then saying no. If it was this, I could. I can't negotiate from there. Like this is the only thing I can do. I. I mean, I tell people, and that's. That's if you're being honest with them. It's like, I can't do $9,000. I could do seven, but that's all I could do. And I totally get if you can't do that. I tell people that all the time because they hit me up for seven. I'm like, I would love to buy it at this price. Uh, that's more than I would ever spend on that. I could do this. So that would be that would be me offering $7,000 for it. And he would have to reject me. High chance of him rejecting me. And I can't that's take rejection. Fine. That's confrontation, Johnny. You, you already know that you can't get it. So there's nothing to lose at that point. You just say, and then, you know, if you're close. I mean, I, I've had friends come up to me and say, oh, man, this is, I really want this, like, 100 bucks, And, you know, I mean, that's not $9,000. But I'm like, hey, here, just take it. I don't care. Enjoy it. Glad, glad it went to you because I got it for like 10 bucks or whatever. That, I mean, that also factors into it. Now, if he paid like $8,000 for it, he's definitely not. But if he got no, it for I think, like I think $1,000. He got a pretty, or, pretty good deal on it. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. So you're like, oh, I'm ripping him off. But if you spent like 200 bucks or something dumb on it or $1,000 and someone offers you seven, then you're walking away with a pretty good ROI. I, th- I think he paid 6500 I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast and, and he wants to correct me about all this. I just no. I was just honored that that a stadium events cart walked its way over to me and offered itself to me. So I, yeah, I was I, really happy about that. Yeah, it's not like I'm it's not like I'm suggesting you should just go lowball your friends or anything. But I mean, you can be honest with them and tell them where you are and let them, you know, 
let them look at where they are and say whether that's reasonable or not. Well, if it's like me and you, Johnny, then I would definitely say, Johnny, give me that statement of events for $5,000. I know you only paid 100 bucks for it. I need it more than you do. You know, maybe Pico Interactive will get the rights one day and you can buy that version. Oh, cool. I just buy Family Fun Fitness. <sighs> Anyways, that's that's our episode, guys. John, uh, you didn't play any video games, Johnny? No, I didn't. Oh. I I did not play any video games. <laughs> John, we didn't even cover it. We've been gone for three weeks. I know, but we were just going to be like, yeah, people will figure that out. Summer break. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was summer break. I, yeah. Whoops. My bad. You didn't play anything in the past three weeks? All no, you bought I, is some you know, TurboGrafx stuff. That's I, I've been, I've been, yeah, I've been busy. Uh, that's not true. I actually, I played like some. I got my PVM, which I showed, Ooh, and wait, I've been what? playing I some games I on didn't it. See that? What'd you get? Yeah, I got a, I got a PVM. Is it like a super tiny one or a twenty-inch hot one? It's like a twenty-inch. Ooh, fancy. Yeah, Look it's like a big one. So, and I got my Sega CD hooked up to it, my Sega Saturn. I've been like checking some stuff out. But I, I don't know. Also, you know I'm on a time limit today, so... Oh, like, you're trying to go. Yeah, i okay. wrap this up. I'm going to go see... Uh, it's date night. Taking my wife out. You know, I try to schedule a time, and then it's just collector's quest time for me. I'm kidding. All right. We, we, can, uh, well, we can go. Yeah, have fun you on your spent, date. If you hadn't spent 30 minutes like, why is my audio busted? Uh, downgrade Skype. I'm sorry, yep. Johnny. If your commute only wasn't an hour, and you know you spent more of your life at home... With your wife, you wouldn't need to go on dates because you'd have more home time with her. You want you want to you want to get into a relationship? This is our relationship counseling podcast. We're gonna launch that right an, after the movie one. I have an excellent relationship with my wife. How's your girlfriend? She's doing great. Oh, is that is that a slight? <laughs> That's a slight. <laughs> yeah. yeah oh was, man, <laughs> it's a little dig. <laughs> oh God, I need to marry her already. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't all have right. time because I spend all my time doing these podcasts and video well, you games. You probably can't afford a wedding. My life is spiraling out of control. <laughs> yeah. All right, Johnny, have fun. I kid. Everybody, uh, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, one more thing I want to tell you that we do. Uh, I've been jumping on uh, just Instagram chat every Monday at about 6 o'clock and just doing a little chat for about 10 to 20 minutes, doing some like room tours and stuff, letting people ask independent questions outside of the episode and you know, just showing off uh, what came in the mail over the last couple days. Call it Media Mondays. And Tyler is joining me, too. So, uh, once in yeah, a while, I he joined jumps it on and, and I say ruined hi. It I really bought everyone audio. hated me. Oh, no, not everyone hated you. Anyways, it's really super casual. And, uh, you know, we invite you to come check that out. Yeah. Go ahead, I Tyler. totally knew that was a scheduled thing and didn't just learn that right now. But well, okay. I just made it. Oh, a, but I just 6 made p.m. It a Pacific time, guys. Just to make yeah, it clear, because no Pacific. one lives on the freaking West Coast. Yeah, no one. No one lives in California. No one at all. That's all we got for this episode. Hope you liked it. If you are an NBA fan, let me know. And Tyler's a dummy. So, but everybody else, hope you enjoyed the World Cup. Everything is going well. Hope you got some good purchases. We'll talk to you next time. Good night. Bye.